Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. So, folks, uh, let's pause for shock in understanding that Donald Trump won the New Hampshire primary. But the thing that folks are not really saying is that it wasn't like a slam dunk. It was fairly like measured in terms of going up against Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley was able to bring in, I think, 45 percent of the vote. Donald Trump brought in like 54 percent of the vote. And so she's going to continue on and said that this is far from over and head to South Carolina, her home state, which she's going to lose. But the fact is, is that, you know, maybe she won't. I don't fucking know. But this thing for me is that no Republican is a good Republican. And this is what I want folks to understand. There isn't a good Republican left. Those people have either resigned, retired, lost their elections, and have gone off into the fog. A la Mitt Romney. Liz Cheney, who, by the way, was not a good Republican. The only thing that she disagreed with Donald Trump on was the fact that he won the 2020 election, right? And that he caused an insurrection. But when it came to voting and on issues, she was aligned 90% of the time, right? So when we're looking and we're saying, oh, never Trump or, you know, or anybody but Trump, no, because Project 2025, that is a billion dollar backed project to have a Republican regime, not administration, but a regime up and running on day one to wipe out career government employees from governmental agencies to shut down government agencies. Right. All in a way 
to hoard power in the executive branch so that the Republican regime will not have to deal with voters. And whether or not these unelected people care or not doesn't matter. They're not interested in trying to woo you. They're not interested in trying to get your vote. They're interested in full and absolute and complete power. So regardless of whether it is Donald Trump that is their next president or Nikki Haley that is their next president, Project 2025 is rearing and ready to go to finish the job of creating and solidifying a white supremacist agenda that is backed by pure and complete and unadulterated sycophants for MAGA supremacy. So for me, there isn't a conversation to be had, well, maybe Nikki Haley has a fighting chance because here's the thing. Which Nikki Haley are we getting? Are we getting the Nikki Haley who at one time talked about the experiences of racism that her family had in South Carolina as Indian Americans and Indian immigrants? Or are we talking about the Nikki Haley that decided to launch her campaign on the backs of trans children that just want to play sports and be included and build community? So. There is no difference to me in terms of how these people move because they're all moving in the same direction, which is away from democracy. They have no interest in the Constitution. They have no interest in the people being a part of government. Their only interest is absolute power and absolute destruction of whatever values we have left and whatever rights we have left. You know, I would be remiss, folks, if I did not bring up Senator Tim Scott, who has just embarrassed himself in such a deep, deep way. And he's been trending because many people are comparing him to the character Step and Fetch It, right? Which was a black stereotypical character that was created by white Hollywood in order to, you know, create the imagery and the idea of black laziness, which is always so fucking wild to me, being as how black people built this country for no pay and worked 20 hours a day under duress in order to produce. But yeah, we're lazy any fucking way. Tim Scott, when, you know, asked by Donald Trump, you know, oh, Nikki Haley, she appointed you and you know, and he's standing up there with his big stupid face and his big stupid fucking grin behind Donald Trump. Oh, Nikki Haley, she appointed you. And like, you know, she's from your home state. You must really hate her in order to support me and not support her. And he said, no, I just love you. 
like a fucking mindless doofus. I mean, there are lots of names that I can call him, but I won't. I'll let the internet do its work. But that's the kind of black person that Republicans love. Mindless and obedient. Whatever you need, boss, whatever you say, boss, we can just replace boss with Masa. And that is exactly how Tim Scott fucking looked. And how Clarence Thomas looks with his billion dollar daddy benefactor. At least Clarence Thomas is getting paid for his foolishness and fuckery. What's Tim Scott getting but clowned on a regular fucking basis? But this is what the Republican Party requires of black people, Indian Americans like Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, and other people of color. To disavow things that we know to be true, like racism and systemic racism. To be their poster child, right, for the fact that, oh, they're not racist, except These people will never love you. They will never be your friend. They will call you everything but a child of God behind your back and to your face, which is what Donald Trump has done to every single one of these people that then fall in line, kiss his feet with fucking grins on their faces. It's so disgusting and embarrassing. You want to talk about masculinity and, you know, and, and, and all of those things. Like, where is that, Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, Ron DeSantis? Maybe that's why you take out all your insecurities on your constituents. Because you know you ain't the one and will never be the one and don't have the power or the backbone or the fortitude or the nimbleness or the brains to be the one. And the voters, even your Republican voters, saw that. Because you didn't have the ovaries, the backbone, to put it in Donald Trump's face, to step to him. You just bowed your heads and kissed the ring. You know, I continue to be absolutely disgusted and annoyed with the way that the media, cable news and others are playing this primary and playing out this election as if it is any other election. As if democracy and the Constitution and the rule of law are not on the line. You're watching the same bullshit horse races that make us believe that it's, oh, it's Barack Obama up against John McCain. Right? Or Mitt Romney, or it's just, you know, we'll get him next time. That's not what these people are doing. That's not what this party is about. And it would be great if any fucking outlet, if any network showed any bit of courage to step out and say the fucking truth that this isn't like a normal election. There is going to be no, we are going to get him next time. But all they're doing and all of their billion-dollar CEOs are doing are just hedging their bets. 
so that Donald Trump doesn't shut them down if he becomes president again. It's disgusting. And that's why I tell you to continue to seek out other outlets, independent outlets, independent voices, global outlets to get a better perspective on what is at stake and what is happening so that you can inform the people around you. Because just turning on MSNBC and CNN, that ain't it. That ain't it. The times are considerably dangerous. And they're going to get more so. And, you know, maybe the thing that we will watch with Nikki Haley until she decides to bow out and, you know, hopefully and pray and beg Donald Trump to let her be VP, even though he told her that she doesn't have the complexion for the job. Not the fortitude, not the smarts, not the know-how, but the complexion. Maybe what it'll continue to expose to those that want to bury their heads in the sand is just how racist and misogynist Donald Trump is. Because you see, if Nikki Haley decides to stay in and keep battling it out, and maybe her numbers do tick up a little bit, that's going to piss Donald Trump off. And so he's going to show, continue to show his entire ass. But you see, for the people who already know, they know. But it'll be really interesting to see how Fox and other outlets completely turn on her at the drop of a dime. But like the rest of them, she'll go back, tail between her legs, begging to be a part of the club that she'll never truly be a part of. Because, you know, she don't have the complexion. Coming up next, dear friends, my conversation with our in-house doctor, our friend Jonathan Metzel. And for those of you in New York or in the tri-state area, Jonathan and I are going to be live and in person February 5th uh, at Greenlight Books in Brooklyn for the launch of his new book, What We've Become. Would love to see you all there. You can check out and get more information at jonathanmetzel.com. Um, and we will have more conversation as that event gets closer. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Wark, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Folks, you know that whenever we have the opportunity to talk with our good, good friend, our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzl, we are always thrilled And this week, we're like beginning our countdown, Jonathan, February 5th in Brooklyn, Greenlight Bookstore. Uh, Jonathan and I will be in conversation about his new book, his latest book, What We've Become. I'm super excited about it. Jonathan, you were doing amazing talks and bringing in people all around. How are you feeling? I feel great. I mean, you know, it's the hard part is writing the book, honestly. And this book was really hard to write because it was a story about race and violence and the South and guns. And so this book was the hardest thing I've ever written by far. Um, and, and it's just, there were so many points along the way. I didn't think this would get done. And then yesterday I did an NPR interview yesterday morning and I got really emotional in the middle because it, it's, it's a book that I wrote obviously, but it's about like real people's lives and real trauma and real loss and so it was the first time I'd ever like done a real kind of, you know, real formal interview. And, uh, and it was, um, it was intense. And so, I don't know, this part is, I'm excited to get the word out. I'm excited for people to read this and I'm excited for our live conversation in front of actual humans. And <laughs> I think that'll be, that'll be really fun. I'm excited for it as well. You know, I, I, um, I've been, kind of all over the place in my thoughts as of late. And I wanted to get your thoughts around, I did a panel the other day with some Gen Z folks. Yeah. Super young, junior, you know, juniors in, uh, in college, right? So like some of your students, you know, and talking about, you know, where their fears are. And one of the things that I opened up and I said to them, Jonathan, and I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on was I apologized. I apologize that they are inheriting such a crap earth, such a crap society. And they kind of looked at me and were just like, thank you so much for acknowledging it. It was as if no one had acknowledged that they weren't going to have it 
as easy as their parents, that it wasn't just going to be a rinse and repeat as prior generations have been. And I wanted to ask you as a professor that works with Gen Z, that works with young people, like, how do they feel about the older generations, whether it is their, you know, their parents, their grandparents, like, is there a sense of anger? You know, I'm going to put this in terms of something we're all thinking about, which is the 24 election. Um, because I think that the last time that my students were voting, they had seen the Trump chaos. Um, they had seen, um, remember there was a, a, a debate, a Biden Trump debate where Trump was sweating on stage cause he had COVID and he was like typhoid Mary, um, spreading COVID to everybody. And so there was a sense that Biden was going to come in and things were going to be normal again. And, and I think that in a way, I just saw college students gravitate toward that, like, thank God, finally an adult is in the room. Um, and, and it's four years later, we're gearing up for another presidential election. And I see my students terrified, even though they wouldn't put it that way, but terrified because for them, no one is in charge in a way. Yeah. And so it, it's like, some students feel anti-Semitism and nobody's looking out for them. Some students feel racism and no one's looking out for them and attacks on DEI and stuff. Uh, Republicans feel like they have nothing in common with liberal colleagues. And they feel like, I mean, here the college Republicans feel like nobody is taking up for their interests and things like that. There's so much division right now. And so in a way, I have no factual basis for this, but I don't, think just on my small sample, and this is not a critique at all of my students who are looking for some stability, um, but it's kind of like there are no rules right now and everybody, anything goes. And so in that way, like the Trump message of like, I'm going to come in and get vindication for you and take out your enemies and restore order. I, you know, the Trump message is a really powerful message. I just personally don't think we're going to see 90% student support for Biden in the coming election because there is so much, there's so much anxiety right now. And I just, I don't think that Biden is making that message that I, 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 I mean, Biden feels like, in a way, ironically, the chaos candidate in a way. So that, that wasn't really an answer about my students, except to say that I don't think that my students are all like unified around climate or. No, I don't think that they're unified. I think that I guess the question was like, are you finding in your conversations, in your lectures that there is like fear, right? That yeah. they that they are that they are terrified, but that there's also a sense of anger like. This is supposed to be, and I, I couch it like this, right? From a very, I, I want people to understand, I'm coming from a, a privileged place. When I was in college and, you know, it was like, yeah, you know, you're learning how to be an adult, but it was a time of ease. It was this, you know, the stressful thing was the classes that I was taking. I wasn't concerned about what job I was getting when I graduated and whether or not I could afford X, Y, and Z. Like it was this time of ease in my life. I understand that everyone's experience is not like that. But what I recognize now is that even for those that come from financial, you know, stability and don't have, are not coming from a family or home that is economically struggling, that there is not that sense of ease. Yeah. That we've like robbed a generation of that. And I don't think that it's ever going to come back. And so, what they've heard from their parents, from their grandparents, 
I don't even think that they understand the older generations like that we've taken that away from them. And and they feel under attack and no one's looking out for them. I mean, it's just a terrifying moment because they're being attacked on social media. They're being attacked. I mean, even students who are financially okay um, are, are, are feeling under attack in, in ways. I mean, we had a big... We we had um, Jonathan Rausch here yesterday, the um, Atlant writer for the Atlantic, who writes about open dialogue, basically. And we're gonna have Melissa Harris Perry here next week. So we've been having these ongoing college conversations, and every different speaker we have, a different group of students come out and say we're under attack for our views, and we don't know what to do about it. And 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 so in a way, it's just it's a it's just a scary moment financially, but also intellectually. And I have to say, just philosophically it's a terrifying moment. And the reason I say that I've been thinking about this recently and I know we don't have time today, but we should talk about this in the future. I mean, I don't know how Biden's going to turn this around. I, I, I really think we need a new strategy like a- ASAP. Um, but it's not just Biden's age. I've been thinking it's also like the promise of liberalism feels like a failed promise to a lot of people right now. It's also like the, the message itself about what liberalism means feels like a failed promise because people are wanting to, they're wanting much more anger and action about their issues and they're not getting it by the, we're all going to buy in. The economy is slowly improving. That just doesn't meet their emotional needs right now. And so it's really like, it's not just Biden that needs to reboot his campaign. It's almost like liberalism or whatever the thing is that joins progressives and centrists as Democrats, that thing needs to be like rearticulated really quickly. <laughs> I don't know if Biden's the person to do it. Um, but, uh, but, but I would just say, um, you know, there's a lot of ideas out there. I mean, I watched the California debate yesterday. People are actually debating like real ideas in, in a kind of vociferous way. And, and so in a way it's, it's just like, I think they're caught in this really confusing moment that has profound implications for their, for their future. And, and, and we'll see how it goes. We're having a big debate about next week about how do you talk about race on campus after the Supreme court overturned affirmative, affirmative action. It's going to be Melissa and Michael Eric Dyson and a bunch of people. And um, it's just like, there, there's just fear right now. There's a lot of fear and there's fear of if Trump's going to get elected, but there's also like this secret desire to have like a guy who's going to come in and just clamp down on everything. Like you know- maybe it'll, Yeah. I will say this, you know, it's funny and not funny, haha, but funny in the way that like what I have started to hear is that people have fear either way. People yeah. have fear if Trump gets elected. People have fear if Trump doesn't get elected, like as to what his followers will do. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if we all have said that January 6th was a dress rehearsal and for, you know, by the grace of God and the universe, Donald Trump doesn't get elected again. And it's clear and decisive. And that's just like the American people have rallied not for Biden, but for themselves. Like then what happens? Right. Because it's not as if Biden is a unifying character. So it's like we OK, so we dodged a bullet again. Sorry for that term. But then what do we do? Right. So I think that that for me is the thing that I don't see a sense of ease on either way. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. 
This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safty and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Last question for you, because I know that you have to run. You know, as your book comes out, and we are really grappling with, as a country, with guns outside of guns, what we've become, you know, what do you want for people to take from your new book? I want people to understand how we got here, right? I mean, part of the story of why we don't know what to do is how we got here. Um, the book, until my publisher forced me to change it, was called How We Lost. And it was about how uh, methods that are based in liberals coming together for higher, higher ideals was not an effective counter to the politics we're facing right now. She told me no one's ever going to buy a book called How We Lost. But I do think that's the question that a lot of people are asking right now, which is like, how in the world do we get here? And so I hope people take away that guns are a metaphor. But kind of part of what I argue is if we can't win in a debate where the other side is literally killing people and it has all these racial implications, we should re-examine our methods because we're promoting moral positions that don't have power implications against an adversary who is totally bent on power and the body count doesn't matter. And so it's a big critique of liberals for advocating for moral positions that and not recognizing um, that they're up against a power player, honestly. And that's the same thing that's happening in the election much more broadly right now, which is we were dilly-dallying. Honestly, I personally feel, and I'm not going to say this past 
next week, I promise, um, that we elected Biden because we were just like, oh, look at those guys. They're going to implode or something. But they actually had like a really strong power strategy that we're seeing unfold right now. And and so we just keep underestimating the opponent that we're up against. Mm-hmm. And so I hope people can read this. In Guns is a metaphor for a much bigger story about how liberal America thought that moral arguments were going to have power implications and they don't. I mean, that they thought moral arguments, they thought facts, you know, all of those things were going to matter and they don't. Yeah. Um, we're dealing with a very but Also, enraged... we had the wrong strategy. We had the wrong strategy yeah. for this opponent. Yeah, yeah, you're right. All right, my friend, thank you so much. I know this was quick, but always appreciate you. And we'll talk soon in person. Sounds good. Take care. Take care, everybody. That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.